Welcome back to the Rockcast, everybody. Brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps and Rockslide.com. Jordan here. It is uh, a very hot September 6th. It's a Tuesday, so we're going to roll through another episode of Tipsy Tuesday. We're going to keep this one pretty compact, as there's not a lot of uh, news out and about. So, uh, rolling into it, latest episodes, uh, we've had Les Welch on, talking about the Matthews V3X setup, and that's a bow that I've personally been shooting this year. We've, um, I guess I killed a caribou with it, attempting to kill a mule deer with it here, um, hopefully this weekend, and uh, yeah, just it's it's been a great bow and it has some really cool features which we we run through like the uh, the bridge lock system. It's basically a new way to attach your bow sight onto your bow, and uh, it's something that only the V3X has. And same way with their um, with their rest, that QAD rest, it attaches a little bit different way, uh, keeps things really tight, compact your to your um, to your riser. So. It's a really good setup. Check that episode out. And I guess before we get into this, I'm going to give a little season update on myself. Um, It's been super hot. Uh, I'm hunting high country bucks. And I pulled cameras a couple of days before season. And uh, we had, like all the bucks had stripped velvet already. So it was the 25th. And there were bucks that were stripped. And all every single deer that I have personally glassed on the hoof has been stripped and um yeah so that makes it a little bit difficult they go into the little bit heavier timber and yeah so it makes it tough to to glass especially if they roll over a ridge or get out of sight on you um trying to find their beds is really tricky so that's what's been going on there it has been super hot um I don't really remember the last time that I literally have just been in a t-shirt all early season, even at night. Um, you know, I brought a puffy jacket with me as I always do. And typically you're throwing that thing on for 15 minutes cooking dinner before you go to bed while it's dark and starts to cool off. But, um, literally in the night, in the morning, in the evening, it doesn't really matter. I'm just in a t-shirt. Uh, it's been kind of crazy. So, uh, yeah, as far as like elk and stuff, I don't know, like the August 30th glassed up some elk in a fairly high country basin and the bull was running him around a little bit. It sounded like he was being, well, it looked like he was being vocal. Um, it was a super long ways away, but, uh, in the field so far, I haven't heard a bugle and, um, nor have I seen elk. So I guess take that for what it's worth. Um, okay. So yep. Latest episodes. We talked with the last on the Matthews V3 X and then rock slide article wise, I just pulled a few that were relevant to the time of year right now. So it's archery season for most people, unless you got lucky and drew a sweet tag for, you know, it starts like the middle of September. Um, archery wise, we've got proper shot sequence. Um, good article to, to go back through and just like, you know, be thinking about it. Um, there's aerodynamics. It's called Worth the Weight. Um, all about aerodynamics and weights and uh, energy and things. And the next one is one or both eyes open. So like, do you shoot with both eyes open? You shoot with one eye open. I'm kind of, I kind of shoot a combination. When I draw back, I have one eye open. I line my peep and my sight housing up. Then I open both eyes once they're lined up. Um, I have no idea if that's correct or not, but that's what I do. 
And then the the last one here is backcountry proofing your bow. And I'm actually going to dive into that a little bit more here in the hot minute. And then on to elk stuff. So Ryan Avery wrote a couple of, or a couple articles a while back. One is calling quiet elk, which I think is going to probably apply to, to this year, at least this early. And then the, the second thing is setups and things to consider. So both great articles to go scan through and brush up on a bit. And then uh, Snyder, oh, quite a long time back, wrote in uh, an early season elk tactics article. So all those can be found at rockslide.com along with a ton of other uh, tips and tactic articles. And then, of course, all the gear articles. So, okay, um, I mean, a big thing in the West, honestly, right now is wildfires. And here in Idaho, things are really picking up, it seems. Um, it's the Ross Fork Fire that's kind of over by uh, Smiley Creek area. It started not very close to Smiley Creek at all. Um, I think like on Saturday morning when we looked at it, it was at 5,500 acres on Onyx layers, which we'll talk about in a sec. And by that evening, um, or when it updated the next morning, it was at 14,000 acres. And we just had a ton of wind and got running down a ridge, got into a canyon, and it just like blew right down the canyon. It's super close to Smiley Creek right now. So um, I know that they were, it was like a level three or like everybody evacuate like right now, get all your stuff and leave. So um, kind of, it's sad. It is sad. To, to see that but there's wildfires all over wildfires are making it uh you know the smoke and stuff it's making it difficult to see so if you're coming from back east um you should probably like be aware of wildfires around the places that you're gonna go maybe um have some try to have some backup plans to get around fires and away from smoke so probably the thing that we use the most uh just to check on fires active fires is with our onyx hunt app um our mapping app on our phone they have a layer called active fires you could throw that up um and basically it'll just give you a little fire icon where a fire is you can click on it it'll give you like an outline of the active area and i mean i don't think it's like you know, dead on like accurate, but it's pretty damn close. Um, it'll give you the outline of the area and it'll, it can tell you some other, other things, uh, as well about the fire, but that's a good place to start. And then beyond that, we've been using a website called fire.airnow.gov. So fire.airair and then now and ow.gov. And what that gives you is it gives you all the active wildfires, it gives you some more things too, like closures of roads and things. And then it actually gives you the smoke area that that fire is emitting for the time being, I guess, and like which direction it's going, obviously based on winds. And with that, you can kind of tell like, all right, you know, you wake up in the morning, you get some, you know, you got some smoke that moved in. You can see where that smoke is originating from. Um... You can, you know, before you even go in, you can be like, all right, well, I want to go to this drainage and the way that the winds are today, like, you know, it's getting smoke from three different fires in it. And it says that it's like, you know, really settling in. It gives you like different, um, it'll tell you if like you should go outside or not at all. And so, yeah, we just got to think about the, the wildland firefighters. Okay, right now I have Robbie on call. 
and he wants to uh, to recap a story from a couple years ago and set the record straight on something. All right, Rob, I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you uh, talk about what happened. Okay, so um, thanks for having me on, Jordan. And I'm sitting off the side of the road here, and there's semis driving by. So if you hear trucks, that's what it is. But um, in 2019, I was on a muzzleloader hunt and uh, it's central Idaho. And um, I have this story in my book. I think we've talked about it on your podcast have, before. Yeah. I, yeah, we have. And um, I uh, it was opening day. I was hunting with a friend. He was he was up the mountain ways and I was down on the roads going to pick him up later. But I was still kind of just pre-scouting the area. You know, he'd hunted it before. I was just learning the area. And um, there was a place we'd seen some deer that morning. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go down there and park from the park on the road and then glass from the truck. It was kind of a narrow canyon. And, um, you know, I pretty much figured I wouldn't have time to stalk anything, but I was still trying to kind of learn the unit. So anyways, um, I'm glassing and I, and I had to park kind of right in the middle of the road to to be able to see up into the ledges where we'd seen some deer that morning and man sure enough as i mean i hadn't glassed for just a minute or two and i saw a big bodied deer moving through the mahoganies and you know this this deer's in range i mean he's like 100 yards above the road here and so you know i'm under the impression and i have been for many years that you know you you can't shoot from the road but you can get off the road and, and then you can shoot, you just can't shoot back across the road. And so I'm like, gosh, I think I can get this buck right here. And, and I'm driving my friend's truck. And, uh, so I, I pull over to the absolute furthest that I could get off the road. Um, we were above a Creek and, um, I parked right on the edge of the road. I couldn't even open the driver's side door and get out because it was like, you know, big drop off. Um, but I was off the travel portion of the road. I thought, okay, I'm legal. And I hadn't seen the deer for just, just a second. You know, I wasn't even sure, if, you know, if he'd even let me move the truck. And then um, I could see his front end, but, and, and one hour, and I could, I could tell he was a good buck. So I had my muzzle loader ready. So I got it up, got it out the window. Boom, let him have it. Man, he rolled right off the ledges. I mean, right down into the creek bottom, just kind of behind the truck. And I was like, I mean, this all happened in like, a minute, you know, it was just between yeah. seeing no deer to killing a deer. And, you know, and I sat there for a second. I thought, man, I, I'm good. I'm good. You, I was off the road. I'm off the travel portion of the road that, you know, that's, that's what, that's what the law is. I'm good. So we got the deer, got it out of there. Um, uh, and you know, this was three years ago and I've, I think I've talked about it on your podcast. I've talked about it on uh, Joseph, uh, Von Benedict's podcast. It, it, there's a story in my book on it. It's called the buddy system. So last Sunday, um, I get a knock on my door and it's fish and game and man, you don't want fish and game on your porch. No. So I'm like, uh, yeah, what's going on? So he comes in, it was, a guy and a gal, um, both of them officers. And they just said, Hey, we want to hear about your 2019 muzzleloader buck. And I, you know, of course I'm like, okay, something must be wrong. So I just recounted the same story to them that I just did to you. And he says, well, he says, you've got the law wrong. Um, you know, and I told him a couple other things too, you know, like the, you know, there's no forward motion of the truck, you know, and mm -hmm. was off the road. He says, well, he says, you got the boating regulations mixed up with the, with the, uh, road regulations. He says in a boat, 
you, you, you know, you can shoot from a boat as long as there's no forward motion. He says, but a truck, he says, you cannot be in a truck. You can't, unless you have a handicap permit. Um, and which I don't, I wish I did at that time, but I don't. He says, so, you know, he says, you're, you're in violation. And, and he had heard this on, on, uh, one of the podcasts. Yeah. And, uh, I said, okay, well, guilty is charged. Um, you know, where do we go from here? And, and he said something odd. He said, well, you just made my job a lot harder. And I thought, well, what do you, what do you mean? I just told you the truth. And he says, um, I thought I would come in here and, you know, you would, you would lie and contradict yourself. And, you know, I'd, I'd have a dead ringer and, um, I'd cite you. He says, but being that you, you told me the truth, you know, this matches with what, with what, what else has been out there. He says, I'm just going to give you a warning and take your antlers. And I said, well, let's go get them. Um, cause I'll take a warning way over a citation. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so anyways, that's what happened. I mean, this whole incident was less than, you know, less than probably 10 minutes, you know, he just wrote, wrote me a warning, explained what it was and was gone. And, um, just so embarrassing, Jordan, so embarrassing. And, um, and, and we chatted about one other thing too. I, I told him, I said, you know, I, part of the reason I thought this is, you know, a long time ago, I had a depredation cow elk tag. And I said, I went with fish and game up here uh, north of Hamer. And, um, you know, these elk were raiding these fields and everything. I said, and, you know, they told us where to park, you know, when the elk would come out of the fields. And I said, you know, we shot the elk from the vehicles and, you know, fish and game right there watching us, you know, like a thousand yards away with spotting scopes. And he says, yeah, he says, but all bets are off when it comes to depredation. He says, you know, we, we, we're, we're trying to solve a problem when we're doing that. And he said, so, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't take that and apply it to, you know, every other situation. I said, Hey, no problem. I said, I'm just trying to tell you where I got this, you know, kind of faulty thinking in my mind. So anyways, so embarrassing, Jordan. So I just wanted to get on your podcast, let everybody know, you know, my fault. Um, and you know, my mistake and no excuse for it. You know, I just didn't fully understand the law. Make sure you understand the law, you know, in Idaho, it's only a handicap permit. You still can't shoot across the road, obviously. Um, but you know, you cannot shoot from vehicle. It, you know, got to be out of the vehicle. So, and I would, I, I've heard from three or four people since I put this out there because, you know, I put it right on my Instagram page. I put it on Facebook. I put it on Rockslide, you know, immediately. And, um, I've heard from about three people, you know, good hunters, you know, some of them that were like, Oh my heck, I thought the same thing. And, um, especially coyote hunters, you know, I've heard, heard from, from a few of those too, that are like, man, you even get out of a vehicle and, a, and, a, and the coyote runs. And so a lot of times that's their strategy. Just get off the road. Well, not on any of that stuff. You can't do any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, it, ma it makes sense looking back, but it was just something I had in my mind over the years. And so anyways, that's what happened, Jordan. And I uh, put a retraction here on your podcast and, um, I've already contacted my editor and the new versions of my book that are coming out, probably the, that will be printing this week. will have that retraction in there. So that's what happens. And if you hear any other rumors, just send them to this podcast or to my social media page. Yeah. Honest mistake, Robbie. And uh, it's just a good reminder for everybody to like double check regulations and even, you know, the smallest of things, make sure you double check and know exactly what's going on in your unit. Yep. And 
don't lie to the fishing game. Yeah. That is why I just got a warning and not a citation because I didn't lie, you know, and, um, you know, that's, we're going to make mistakes obviously, but they really look at, you know, what's your intent and are you trying to cover it up? And, you know, that's what he told me that obviously the intent wasn't there and you didn't try to cover it up. So, you know, that's, that's hard to do, you know, when you're talking to the guys in green, but Mm -hmm. tell them the truth. You, you, You might get lucky like I did. Yeah. Damn. Well, thanks for telling us, Rob, setting the record You bet, straight. Jordan. Thank you very much for having me on. You have a good week and uh, enjoy this heat wave. I think I'm going to go stalk some deer. Hell yeah. Sounds good. I'm, I'm a couple days behind you, but I'll be out there on Thursday. All right. Thanks, Jordy. All right. Yeah, let's see you. Season is finally here, everybody. And let this be your reminder to make sure to download all of your Onyx Hunt maps into offline mode before you head out into the field and lose service. And if you don't have Onyx Hunt Maps yet, go to Onyx Maps forward slash hunt and use code ROCKCAST at checkout. You'll get 20% off. Go on, download the app, and you're just going to have a a mapping app that is right at your fingertips. Definitely helps with uh, decision making and certainly helps with dropping pins and just keeping things organized. So it is a great tool in the backcountry. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt to check it out. There are a few things that I love more than waking up on the crisp September mornings and glassing for bucks, listening for bugles, and just enjoying my time out in the field. And I really do think that that is enhanced by some good coffee. My go-to is Black Rifle Coffee's Instant Coffee Packs. Uh, They're small little packet sticks. They dissolve right into the water. You're not chewing on any grounds or any crazy things like that. They taste great, and they're great for mornings, of course, and then also a midday pick-me-up, which I really do enjoy. So go to blackriflecoffee.com. If you use code ROCKSLIDE with your order, you will receive 20% off. Go check it out. If you're anything like me, uh, you're always trying new gear stuff. doesn't matter what time of year it is. Even if it's in the middle of September, you're swapping things around. A great way to save some cash on that is actually to get cash back over just saving money at a sale or something. And with ActiveJunkie.com, you can do that. So go to ActiveJunkie.com forward slash rockslide. It's going to give you access to some of the favorite outdoor and hunting brands. But overall, on the Active Junkie website, they have 1,500 brands and retailers. Basically, what they're doing is they're giving you cash back for clicking through to the brand or retailer you want to purchase through, through their website. So let's say you want a new sleeping pad. Yours went flat. You want to do that through Shields. Go to ActiveJunkie.com. Go to the Shields logo. Click on it. It's going to take you to the Shields website. You're going to purchase your new sleeping pad. Shields is going to ship that to you. And then Active Junkie is going to give you cash back up to 20% cash back for that purchase. So it's a great way to stack on with sales that the brand retailer is already doing and then get some cash back on the back end. So it's a great way to purchase gear. Check out activejunkie.com forward slash rock slide for more info. So this September, I think everybody can agree, has been absolutely hotter than hell so far and got me thinking it's really important to have good clothing to keep you cool, comfortable, and deadly really 
Um, Firstlight.com has you covered on that. They have everything you could ever need from early to the late season. This September, I've been rocking the Wick t-shirt a whole bunch. Um, Super comfortable t-shirt. I also love the Wick hoodie version of that. And for pants, I've just been using my like one pant to do it all in pretty much all the seasons, the Corgit Foundry Pant. You get a knee pad option. You can take them out if you don't like them. They have giant hip vents, which are you know key for uh, ventilation. And then the material is heavy enough that it'll take you all the way through the late season. You can find all of that and tons more at firstlight.com. Uh, okay, so on to uh, the hot minute. Going to talk about backcountry proofing your bow as well as like repair kits and things like that. So um, bows like take a freaking beating in the backcountry just from like dust and then there's a lot of vibrations, um, you know, bolts backing off, uh, you know, even broadheads twisting off, all those kinds of things. Um, happen in the backcountry, whereas like hanging in your garage, it doesn't happen. So things you can do before you leave. Um, First thing that uh, Sean Smith wrote this article, I'm just kind of spitballing off of it. Uh, So thread lock. One thing you could do is thread lock on like, you know, your, your bolts that go into like for your site, bolts for your rest. Um, One, I don't really have issues with those backing out. And I, um, actually haven't used Threadlock in a little while. The one that I have an issue coming out is uh, my stabilizer. Um, if you are running like a sidebar, so you have like um, the sidebar deal where you can like adjust everything, well that has to be tight to the bow and that's what I have come out a lot and that is a really big Allen wrench and it's not standard on like your regular just like Allen wrench set kit. Um it's like a pretty big size. So that's one that I found myself without and that I found loose a little bit. So, um, like blue Loctite, I think the blue one is the one that doesn't really lock it. Like it locks it, but it's not like a permanent deal. Um, some kind of thread lock. It's not a bad idea. And then to go right along with that is like reference marks, um, for like quick glances, you get up in the morning or you pull your bow off your pack or in the midday, whenever, you look at your bow and you're like, all right, all my lines that I made on my bolts are all lined up. So none of them have backed out today. And that's basically using a silver Sharpie, go to your bolts, wherever that may be. Um, you know, another one I've seen is like on your quiver going, if you, if your quiver mount attaches to your site, um, those ones have come loose on me a bit. So, uh, you take a silver Sharpie, basically just make a line on your, um, on your screw or your bolt that connects to like the, the mount itself. Um, so then if those two lines are, are lined up, then you know, it hasn't moved. If they're offset, you know that your screw or your bolt or whatever is starting to back out. So easy way to control that there. And then, uh, next thing is like your broadhead screwing on to your arrows I wouldn't really recommend loctiting those, but um, if you take like some thread wax or um, string wax, dab a little string wax on there, um, it will create kind of like a little bit more friction, but it's not straight up glue and it'll help your broadhead stay on your arrows a little bit more. Um, actually, this last weekend when I was putting my bow in the pickup to come home, 
I did notice that one of my arrows was starting to unscrew from the broadhead, and that can obviously lead to some serious problems. So uh, it's good things to um, all good things to check there. And rolling into, I guess the the next thing I don't want to dive into a ton is your third axis adjustment. Um, in short, what your your third axis your your bow sights will move on a first third or a first second and third axis. I think most sights now have a third axis, but maybe not all of them. Um, that third axis it basically is truing your your bubble level up for if your bow is pointing up or downhill really steep. So what can happen is if your your third axis is off, your bubble level will be level on level <laughs> on level ground. Your bubble level, as long as it's level, like you're going to be shooting normal. What happens is if your uh, third axis is off and your bow is pointing like really steep downhill or uphill, even though it says that your sight is level and your bow is level, because of the uphill angle or downhill angle, uh, it actually won't be reading true and your bow will be canted and that can affect your shot pretty substantially. So we don't want that. So I don't want to dive too much into third axis because it's hard to explain, especially if you're not looking at it and there's a ton of videos and articles about it. So something to keep in mind, your third axis adjustment as you go out. Um, next thing to, to talk about is like repair kits. What you're bringing with you like in the field, what's worth carrying, what's not worth carrying, um, what you can fix in the field and what you can't, that's all, of course, going to depend on, um, you know, personal, like personal knowings or whatever, personal experience of what you know how to do and what you don't know how to do. Um, I don't know how to do that much. I think I know how to fix the things that most often break in the field. And beyond that, I just need to, to hike out. It's probably bad enough anyways. I need to hike out and uh, get out of there and go to a pro shop and get it fixed. So um, in Sean's article, some of the things that, that he talks about is, uh, you know, you want to have an extra release. That's pretty much a given. Um, I think it's a really good idea if you don't have one to get one. Um, you know, if it falls out of your pocket, then you're not having to go back and, and try to, like, you know, that we're all just trying to field fixes for all these things that are really common to happen. So forgetting your main release, losing your main release, having a backup is a really good idea. If your main release breaks or gets gummed up or something, you have a backup. So that's pretty much an off uh, in a given. Um, the next given I think is to select some Allen wrenches to bring with you. I think that if you're not like a super ounce counter and you don't really care, then just like one of the Allen wrench little kits that like all the, the wrenches like fold out of one handle. I think that's a good way to go. If you're wanting to lighten things up a bit, um, just go to get an Allen wrench kit, take the Allen wrenches out and put them in your kit that fit whatever you're talking about. So, you know, a big one for your stabilizer situation is a good one. Um, one for, you know, your, that fix or that fits your site, you know, both your pins and any other ones that are on your site. Um, the one that's on your rest, take ones that you can, you know, that just fit those things. They're just select Allen wrenches, you know, do that. I like to bring extra field tips with me just in case, you know, I want to shoot, 
in the middle of the day or something to make sure my bow is still on shoot stumps or whatever. Um, so like a field point or two is nice for that. Gosh, what else? Um, a lighter, you should probably already have a lighter in your kit somewhere, but a lighter. So if you need to, um, you know, to tie in a peep or tie in some serving or whatever, you can burn the ends. And then some kind of like a Leatherman style tool. I literally, I think like through the checkout line at Cabela's one time, they just had like a tiny little Leatherman deal. It's really small. Um, and I have one of those that I throw in and take with me. It's really light. I think it has like some basic things. It probably has a bottle opener, which is really useless back there. But the bottle opener is also like a flathead screwdriver. You have a Phillips screwdriver in there. And then you have your, um, you know, just your regular like um, vice grip multi-tool type functions. Um, that is really nice for same thing if you're not so much serving, but if you're tying on a D-loop to try to get that knot really tight. A little Leatherman is really nice. Um, then you get some other tools on there as well. And um, with that, you know, also I have something called a string splitter. And it's from Cabela's. It's literally like a little green thing that's like half of a rectangle. Has a kind of a pointy end, like not sharp, but like a kind of a blunt pointy end on one side. And then on the other side, it has a flat side with a notch in the middle of it. And basically what that's for is like sliding between your strings with the pointy side, twisting and then in the in the back side with the notch, it goes over your string. And that basically spreads apart enough room to where you can put like a peep sight in, like an extra peep. Like, is that a good thing to use all the time? Like, probably not. Um, will it get you out of a pinch? Like, yes, because it has gotten, um, not actually myself, but I had a hunter that was on a deer hunt in Nebraska and in the middle of the day they were shooting their bows and he shot one time and his freaking peep flung out couldn't find his peep um, I had an extra one of those luckily and that's another thing that sometimes I'll carry um, I don't think I would I don't know well now I wouldn't um, carry the string splitter into the field because I have a fancy new um, fancy new like basically a portable bow press that is only for that v3x from matthews but uh that'll let me it'll basically act as like kind of acts as like a bow press it at least relaxes your string so you can um you know in my case the only thing i could see myself using that for is if my peep flew out and honestly the way that i tie them in at home i don't think it can it can tie out but anyways um if it were to come loose or something that's not a bad thing to um, to be able to carry with you if you really, you know, some of these hunts are four, five, six miles in the high country with big climbs and you hate to have to climb all the way back down and drive to a pro shop um, just to fix something simple. So um, that's kind of the stuff that I'm carrying with me. And then uh, what I think the heavy hitters are and what you need to have knowledge for is you need to have your um, material like knock material to to tie a new knock in. It's really easy, I think, especially if you you know you shoot a ton, um, for that that knock to break. Like one of those, um, you know, for whatever reason, that knock just might break. Um, the the 
how it's tied in might break on one side and then you don't have a way to really like shoot your bow um at least as consistently and a knock is super easy to tie in the material is really lightweight no reason not to carry it in with you um it's the knowledge that you have to be able to know how to tie it in to get you there so Sean recommends uh, bring in that knocking material with you as well. He recommends just cutting it the length that a knock needs to be. Um, I don't really recommend that because if you goof up a little bit and you don't have service and you don't have a way to like re-look it up on YouTube to make sure you're doing it right, like it might take you a couple times and I think it's a little bit easier to tie it if you have like a longer piece of D-loop. So bring D-loop material um, I just get on the knock on, I can like not think of this guy's name. Um, but the guy who does all the knock on stuff, if you go to YouTube, he has like a bow building series. Um, it's a good video on how to tie in your knock. Um, one thing Sean recommends with your knocking point that I think you should have, like if you have a shop doing your bow, ask them to tie in, um, a couple of knocking points. And basically what that is, is like, your serving, it's kind of like a serving, it is a serving material, but they serve a knot into the the top and the bottom of where your knock on your arrow would sit. And then your D-loop is tied on the outside of that. It helps with a couple of things. I don't super understand it, I just know that it helps. Um, helps with knock pinch. Sometimes if you only have an, um, a knock tied on there and then you, or a, yeah, your knock tied on and then you have like the knock of your arrow... Uh, on the string as you pull that bow back the string bends Um, it can actually pinch your the knock on your arrow and it can cause for some inconsistencies so if you have those serving knock um, knots tied in on each side of that it really helps with um, avoiding knock pinch so um, one good thing there and then the next big thing is for backcountry use anyways where you don't have access to a shop is those, if your knock were to break when you're pulling back or something, um, those knocking points will stay tied in. So you know exactly where to tie your knock, um, to. So there's no like sliding around and guessing if your arrow is like perpendicular to that string or not. So I suppose all, um, or if you're tying your knock to the right point. So, um, I think if you're going to a shop, you can just say, Hey, can you tie, um, can you, can you tie like, um, knocking points in around my, or in the inside of my knock, knocking point, I guess I, it's all these terms and such. Um, okay. Then the next thing kind of talked about a peep site a little bit. Um, I think it depends like how your pro shop ties a peep in. Um, sometimes I've seen them just like kind of soft tie them in and you can actually move the knot up and down, which is useful for not having the, the peep sight like just fly out when you're trying to set your peep height. Um, but from why, what I've read and watched and kind of, I guess, observed, like that might not be the greatest to just keep it like that all the time because, you know, in the event that you're in the backcountry, whatever's happening, nothing's really, it's only tension of the strings that's holding your peep side in. Nothing else is really holding it in. Um, well, I tie all mine in the way Levi Morgan ties his in on his YouTube 
on a YouTube video. And the way he has that thing tied in is like it is not moving. Like it can't fly out. It's tied onto the string. Um, so that kind of eliminates me having to bring like a whole nother peep sight with me. Um, but I do take some serving material to if something were to happen to that serving and it were starting to come unraveled or something, um, I could just take it off and I could tie, I could tie it in again. Um, but some extra serving for things like that is not a bad idea. But yeah, that's all I got for you this week. I hope everybody has a great September. We'll check back in with you probably towards the end of September. And um, hopefully things will be really rolling in heavy for elk then. And yeah, hope everybody has a safe and uh, awesome September.